This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good morning everyone. Shem Aleichem. I want to share with you some insights on Parshas Nitzavim. We have some good stuff today. So thank you everybody for coming. We have a double Parsha this week. And uh, Nitzavim and Vayach, we're going to treat them separately. Here we go. Parshas Nitzavim. Um... The Pasuk says, Mechoitev Itzacha. Ad Shoyev Meimecha. Says Rashi. From here we learn that the Kananim came to be Megai in the times of Moshe, like they came in the time of Yehoshua, and Moshe made them wood choppers and water carriers. So I have one simple question. How does Rashi know that these people came from the Kanan? Is there any indication in the Pasuk? that they came from uh, one of the nations. It says, today everyone stands before Hashem. Your children, your wives, your converts, from, uh, from wood chopper to water carrier. Where is there any indication at all that these water carriers and wood choppers came from Canaan? It's going through the whole gamut of occupation, and it says everyone needs to be there. So, Maybe we have a tradition from Chazal, but Rashi's not here to collect Midrashim. Rashi's here to explain Pshutai Shal Mikra. What indication is there in the Pasuk that these people were for, for, uh, from Canaan? Originally I was going to make this an impongible, and then I realized the answer is very simple. The Pasuk cannot be just saying from one extreme to another extreme. Number one, these are not two extremes. From water carrier to wood chopper. It doesn't say like from shoemaker to, you know, to a nursing home mogul. It's not giving you extremes. It's picking two random occupations. Why would the Torah, after saying men, women, children, Dafka point out water carriers and wood choppers? Where do they come in? Ah, oh, Rashi therefore says it must be, there's a reason why we refer to these two types of people. Namely, they were uh, from Canaan and they came to be Megayer. And even they were standing there on that day. Okay. This is the next idea um, gave me a lot of chizuk. The Pasuk says, Atem nitzavim hayoim. And then the Pasuk says in Pasuk Yerbez, Laman hakim oischa hayoim loylaam. In order for Hashem to establish you today as a people. Says Rashi, why do we have the juxtaposition of the Klalois to Atem Nitzavim Hayoim? Because after Klalisol heard the Klalois, they they were frightened. They their faces turned white. And Hashem, and Moshe says, Don't worry, you've gotten Hashem angry before, and he didn't destroy you, and you're still standing. Says Rashi Hayoim, just like today it gets dark and gets light, so too. God has illuminated for you. He will be destined to illuminate for you. And then Rashi says the following, The Klalois and the Yisurim, Mekaimin Eschem, Umatsivin Eschem Lefanov. All of the travails and the afflictions and the difficulties make you stand and make you endure before Him. The Sivzei Chachamim explains that through the Klalois, you're careful not to violate the Mitzvahs, and they're memarek your avoynois, and you'll last forever. 
In other words, the reason why it says Laman Hokim Hayoim is that through the Klalois of the Toichacha, Klal Yisrael will last forever. That's very interesting. We look at the Toichacha as punishment. It's not punishment, it's preservation. Through the Surim, that ensures Klal Yisrael will last forever. This gives us insight into something very frightening that we read at the end of Kisavai, where the Pasuk says, Cain, Yasis, Hashem, Aleichem, Lahavid Eschem, Ulahashmid Eschem. We have a Pasuk that just like Hashem rejoiced to do good to you, He will likewise rejoice in punishing you. And that's very powerful to, to hear. Hashem is going to rejoice in punishing us. But according to Rashi here in Nitzavim, that through the Yisurim, the Yisurim preserve Kalal Yisrael for all eternity, it comes out very beautiful that Hashem rejoices when He brings the Yisurim upon us, because that's what preserves us forever and ever. Okay, the next one is Gavaldik. Chavtes Tezayin. It says... You know that we dwelled in Mitzrayim and we passed through the various nations. You saw their abominations, the Esgiluleim and their idols, Eitz, wood, Vaevan and stone, Kesef, silver, Vizahav and gold, Asherimahem. That was with them. So Rashi says something very interesting. The Eitz, Vaevan, was in the outright. The silver and the gold was Imahem, Rashi says, Bemaskiyusam, in their vaults, because they, because they were afraid it would get stolen. So the Eitzvah and you saw outright, the Kesavizahav was sort of stashed away, stowed away, hidden. So I have a question. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu have to go through the different materials of idols that the Jewish people saw? Wood, Stone, silver, gold, and well, oh, by the way, silver and you know, the wood and the stone you saw outright. The silver and the gold was in their inner chambers. Why is he going through all the materials? What is this, a catalog? And once he's going through materials, now he's troubled. He has to explain some of them were in the outright, some of them were stowed away. What's he getting into this for? Just say you saw their idols. I think the answer is very important. Moshe Rabbeinu is pointing out, hey guys, you saw their idols of wood and stone in the outright, but you um, take note of the fact you didn't see their gold and silver in the outright. Oh, Taka, where was it? It was in the vault. Yidin, do you realize the absurdity of Avodah Zarah? Even those who worship it, they're afraid that the valuable ones would get stolen. Do you see, Yisrael, how absurd Avodah Zarah is? The Avodah can't even protect itself. Those who worship it, they have to lock them away in a safe deposit vault so they don't get stolen. Moshe Rabbeinu is pointing out the materials of the Avodah as a way of highlighting the absurdity of Avodah Because you won't see the gold and silver Avodah in the outright. They have to lock it away. Oh, why do they have to lock it away? Because it might get stolen. God, a god would get stolen. A god that can't protect itself, you think it could protect somebody else? Next. The Pasuk says, Perak Lamid Pasuk Zayin. 
Hashem will take all of these curses. When you do tshuva, God will circumcise your heart and God will place all of these curses on your enemies, on your soinim that pursue you. Why does God do that? Why is that relevant? Why doesn't it just say, if you do tshuva, you won't have the teichacha? Why does it add, it will go on to the goyim? Is that like a cherry on top? Is that icing on the cake? Is that relevant? It's important to know that that's the midah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Timer Devira writes in Perak in Midah Tess. It's the midah of V'sashlech b'mtsulais yam kal And you will throw in the depths of the sea all your sin. Now when, when, before a person does tshuva, there's a looming decree on them. However, Hashem doesn't just abolish the looming decree, decree. But that's not enough. Whatever was going to happen to the Jewish people, it happens to the nations of the world. The Torah of says, be it paroi, be it Sancherev, be it Haman. It's the Midas Harachamim. The way Midas Harachamim works is that it should have happened to the sinner if the sinner repents. So then not only does the sinner abolish the decree, it then goes to the enemy. Which means that it's always important to keep your eyes open in this world. Because if let's say you see a tsunami in the world, in the Far East... It's not just, you know, maybe God decided to, to punish the nations of the world. Or if you see wildfires in Hawaii, what does that have to do with me? There's a phenomenon that any looming decree that Kali Yisrael abolishes with tshuva, it then goes somewhere else. So, whenever a person hears about tragedy to Umay Sa'olam, one should think, this very likely could have happened to the Jewish people. And it then got transferred through the Midas Harachimim of V'sashlech B'mtsula Yisiyam Kal Chatoisam. That's what it means. Hashem will put Alo Yivecha V'yasoyne Echa. It doesn't just disappear. Last offering in Parashas Nitzavim. Parak Lamed Pasuk Yotes. Over the years I've discussed this Pasuk many times. But I've discussed it in two ways and now we want to put it together. The Pasuk says Uvacharta B'chayim. Life and death I place before you. Blessing and curse. We would understand what is Bechira. Bechira is a phenomenon. As opposed to other religions of the world that uh, think that we're compelled to do right or wrong, we believe that God does not compel us. We have free choice. Simply, Bechira is not a mitzvah. It's a reality. However, Rabbi Yoyna writes in the Shari Tshuva that not only is Bechira a mitzvah, it's one of the Mailois to Al Yoynois. It's one of the most important mitzvahs. Along with Avas Hashem, Yeras Hashem, Tveikos, Kedusha, Hisboininus Bechaste Hashem, Gemilas Chasodim, Bitachain, Bechira. So we've asked the question over the years many times what in the world is the mitzvah Bechira? It's not a mitzvah to Bechira. If you do the right thing, you made a right choice. If you do the wrong thing, you did an Avera. What's the mitzvah Bechira? 
Many Achreinim try to explain this. But we've always said, this is a situation where all of these attempts, I don't think, compare to the following attempt. And that's because I found that Rabbeinu Yoyna himself gives us the interpretation of what he means. Rabbeinu Yoyna, in the Sefer Shari Avodah says, the mitzvah Bechira is to aspire to higher levels that may even be above your capability. The mitzvah Bechira is to say, I want to be a Baal Chesed like Avram Avinu, I want to be an Oved like Yitzchak, I want to learn Torah like Yaakov Avinu. I want to know the entire Shas Be'ion with every Maram Shef. Can I do that? Whether I can or I can't, there's a mitzvah to aspire to it. That's the mitzvah Bechira. It's interesting then, where we find the mitzvah Bechira. Because the beginning of the Pasuk is, God says, I bear witness of heaven and earth. Sarashi so says, what does that mean, God bears witness of heaven and earth? Sarashi so explains, Moshe says to Klal Yisrael, Klal Yisrael, how could you be inconsistent in your service of Hashem? Look at the sun. Does the sun ever say, I'm not rising today. I'm not setting today. You know what? It's really hot here. I'm not shining today. Sunrise, sunset. The sun does what it needs to do every single day. It doesn't come late. It doesn't come too early. It consistently does what it has to do. The earth produces fruits. Does the earth say, no, I'm going on strike. So Moshe tells Kal Yisrael, just like creation is consistent, you guys all also need to be consistent. The obvious question is, what kind of message is that? That's a meaningless message. I don't want to be consistent, and I could choose not to be. I'm actually very tired right now. I'd rather be resting. So you're telling me, no, don't take it easy. The sun doesn't take it easy. The sun doesn't have free choice. What kind of message are you trying to get a kid out of bed? If the sun got up this morning, you should get up. Yeah, that, that tried. Lots of luck with that one. So, we've said over in the past, the idea from the Mashkiach of Ner Yisrael um, in, the, in the Sefer of Shmuzin of Rav Kronglas, Zeretzak Levracha, where he quotes the Zayar HaKadosh, that when Hashem created the world, He said, Nasa Adam, let us make man. Man is a microcosm of the whole universe. When Hashem created man, He placed in man the forces and the abilities, the capabilities and the talents of all of creation. The consistency of the sun, the consistency of the earth, the strength of the lion. We explained that's why we could tell someone, have a gibar ka'ari. What do you mean have a gibar ka'ari? That's like tell, telling someone, a fly like a rocket ship. Well, was, that's a meaningless, uh, a meaningless advice. So what do you mean have a gibar kari? The answer is, because when Hashem created man, He put in man the gavura of the ari. Man is a microcosm of the universe. Accordingly, the Pasuk reads very beautifully. Hashem bears to witness heaven and earth. And He's telling Kal Yisrael, recognize, you need to be consistent like the heaven and earth. Why? Because you have within you the capacity and the abilities of all of creation and then the Rebbe Shalom says, Therefore, Ubacharta Bachayim. You need to aspire to greatness in this world. Because let, let a person never say, Now, nah, what could I accomplish? What could I be? What could I do in this world? What could you be? If you realize 
that you have the power, the strength, the capabilities, the agility, the ability of every single element of creation, then your capacity is infinite and limitless, and therefore the Yibam Shalom could say, you should aspire to the greatest levels. Okay, that's offering number one. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.